This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ten people were killed and at least ten others injured by a gunman in Monterey Park, on the eastern edge of Los Angeles. The victims had gathered to celebrate the Chinese Lunar New Year in a ballroom dancing venue. A police manhunt is underway for the shooter who fled the scene. The motive for the attack is unknown. It was one of the worst mass shootings in California's modern history. America's Justice Department found a new batch of classified documents at President Joe Biden's private residence. After a 13-hour search, officials seized documents from Mr. Biden's time in the Senate and as vice president. The discovery is the latest in a series of such findings that has caused a furor over Mr. Biden's mishandling of government files. Earlier this month, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, appointed a special counsel to review Mr. Biden's case. Quote, With a heavy heart and much sorrow, Benjamin Netanyahu complied with a high court ruling to sack a senior cabinet minister with a criminal record, Arya Derry, head of Shas party. On Saturday, tens of thousands of Israelis protested against Mr. Netanyahu's plans to reform the country's judiciary. He is trying to curb the powers of the Supreme Court by tightening political control over judicial appointments. New Zealand's ruling Labour Party formally elected Chris Hipkins to succeed Jacinda Ardern as leader, and thus the new Prime Minister. Mr. Hipkins, currently the Minister for Police, Public Service, and Education, will be sworn in on Wednesday. The charismatic Ms. Ardern resigned as Prime Minister last Thursday, complaining that she has nothing, quote, left in the tank. The President of Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, sacked the head of the army two weeks after thousands of protesters attacked and vandalized the Congress and other government buildings in the capital. Supporters of President Lula claim that some members of the armed forces colluded with the rioters, backers of the previous president, Jair Bolsonaro. General Julio César de Arunda had taken up the role only on December 30th, just before Mr. Bolsonaro's term in office ended. The chairman of Britain's ruling Conservative Party faced increasing pressure to resign over his tax affairs. Sir Ian Duncan Smith, a former leader of the party, urged Nadim Zahawi to release the, quote, absolute facts about the case. Mr. Zahawi has said that the tax authorities accepted that he had made a, quote, careless error in not paying his tax in full. Relations between Sweden and Turkey worsened after a far-right politician burnt a copy of the Koran at a protest in Stockholm outside the Turkish embassy. The Turkish foreign ministry called the decision to permit the demonstration, quote, completely unacceptable. A planned visit to Ankara by Sweden's defense minister had already been canceled. Turkey's objections are holding up the accession to NATO of both Sweden and Finland. And fact of the day, 60%, the proportion of horses that were owned by Elizabeth II that have been sold at auction since her death in September. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. China enters a new COVID era. Three years ago, the 11 million people of Wuhan, a Chinese city, were the first to be locked down to stop the spread of a strange new virus. COVID-19 had actually emerged weeks earlier, but authorities played down its dangers, allowing millions to leave before the city and its surrounding province were sealed. But in 2023, after China abruptly dropped strict pandemic controls, the country's rulers are intent on promoting a return to normality. Celebrations of the Lunar New Year holidays began over the weekend. For unknown numbers of Chinese, it is a more somber New Year. Official death tolls stand at around 70,000 between December 8th and January 19th. The true number is far higher, according to exhausted funeral workers and doctors. Millions heading to hometowns and villages hope they will not infect elderly relatives, though it may help that many villagers have already had the virus. An exhausted country is ready to move on. Europe's Happy Shoppers In 2022, Europe's consumers presented economists with a puzzle. Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, consumer confidence, measured through surveys on households' financial situation and their overall economic outlook, tanked. Europeans worried about the war's impact on the rest of Europe high energy costs, and potential economic hardship. Economic forecasters feared a recession. Yet spending in shops held up fairly well. That was because the labor market remained strong, the post-pandemic spending boom still had legs, and governments transferred billions to households to help pay energy bills. Since then, prices for gas, power, and fuel have come down to pre-war levels, and a severe energy crisis has been avoided. The release of new data on the consumer sentiment on Monday should reflect that and show that Europeans are bullish. The European consumer is not exactly known for pushing the world economy forward, but has nonetheless proved remarkably resilient in this crisis. Will Vladimir Putin order another mobilization? As the West promises more heavy weapons to Ukraine, Rumors abound that Vladimir Putin will soon announce a second wave of mobilization. Russia has not deployed all of the roughly 300,000 men recruited in the first drive, yet a new call-up would still be needed to sustain another large-scale offensive, which Ukraine reckons will begin in the spring. The recent appointment of Valery Gerasimov, Russia's senior general, to take command of the invasion may also signal that a fresh attack is coming. For the offensive to stand a chance, claims Ukraine, Russia would have to call up half a million more men. That would be politically difficult. The first mobilization sparked widespread protests in September. An estimated 700,000 to 800,000 men fled the country in one month. Families have become only more unsure about sending their loved ones off to war. Mr. Putin is committed to his fight his people will have to consider the costs, not that anyone is asking their opinion. India's Banking Boom For years, India's economic growth was hindered by a rotten banking sector, plagued by bad loans and shoddy management. Now that constraint is easing. 
banks' credit growth rose to a 10-year high in December. Earlier in 2022, the share of bad loans fell to a seven-year low. The turnaround is a consequence of several factors. Government reforms to clean up balance sheets have worked. A popular mobile payments platform has brought more funds into the banking system. Private banks are flourishing. On Saturday, ICICI, the country's second biggest private bank, reported a 34% year-on-year increase in profits for the last quarter of 2022. Axis Bank, the third biggest, which reports results on Monday, is expected to post an even bigger increase. A global economic slowdown will hurt momentum, but the central bank is not too worried. It predicts that, in the worst possible scenario this year, Indian banks will remain resilient. In the best case, they will thrive. Art in the Desert With its famous undulating roofline, the canopy terminal at Jeddah Airport is often the first view that pilgrims enjoy when they land in Saudi Arabia for the Hajj. On Monday, it will also be home for three months to the first Islamic Arts Biennial, featuring an indoor exhibition that focuses on Qibla, or the, quote, sacred direction, and an open-air show about Hijrah, or migration, that began with the journey that the Prophet Muhammad took from Mecca to Medina in 622. Forty-four artists have created works that examine how Islam's most sacred sites give Muslims around the world a sense of community and belonging. Politically, the Biennial is the latest expression of soft power by the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and his cousin Badr bin Farhan al-Saud, the culture minister. They are keen to use art to project a gentler image for the kingdom after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist, and a huge increase in public executions in 2022. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. The Blue Grotto is a feature of which resort island in the Bay of Naples? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Paul Robeson, who died on this day in 1976. Sometimes great injustices may be inflicted on the minority when the majority is in pursuit of a great and just cause. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.